The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we knew Ian Book's legacy would be written in that game. One verse four at Notre Dame Stadium with the eyes of the world watching. And man, did he have some fun writing that story. environment what a night to remember if you are a Notre Dame fan it's one you'll talk about for 30 years I am sure when those fireworks went off in the pregame you just knew it was a different kind of Notre Dame atmosphere a different kind of Notre Dame game and I think we'll rewrite the legacy of Ian Book and of Brian Kelly simultaneously and rightfully so and also this should start this should be chapter one Maybe chapter two if you want to include the playing career too. But chapter one of the coaching career for Tommy Reese. Because Tommy Reese called a hell, a hell of a football game. Uh, And I thought a lead-up football game. Meaning that all year long he had been preparing what he was putting on tape for this game. And opened up the playbook. Really got the passing game going. This looked like last year's version of Ian Book. Where he had the ability to throw the ball all over give his beasts opportunity, throw some up to Javon McKinley and go let him win for him, Uh, and then supplement with that running game. And the running game down the stretch just absolutely wore out the front of Clemson. And it's one of the real reasons I think this Notre Dame team can go compete for a national championship. And it looked like the Notre Dame offensive line was just settling into their stride. I mean, even down to the Kyron Williams game-winning touchdown, the block by Tommy Tremble, it just stunned the Clemson defenders. Just, just the force that he was bringing to the point of contact by double OT let you know that this group is here to stay. And it's not only the ACC. It's not only inferior opponents that this group can move. They're the top, top shelf of the trenches in college football, and they proved it on Saturday night. And when this game really hung in the balance, the play that I thought just – changed the tides, just shifted the tides of where it was headed, shifted the momentum, 
was the play where Travis Etienne is catching the pitch, and it is very obviously a halfback pass that is wide open down the field. But Owusu Koromoa has tricked the blocking scheme into thinking that he is irrelevant enough to where they can handle him with their wide receiver scheme. He's just kind of out there acting like he doesn't know what's coming when obviously he did know what was coming. Probably had seen that formation on tape time and time again, and he was waiting for that moment of the game where they would go to it. Probably didn't think a halfback pass was coming, but I do believe he thought ETN was about to get the football on the edge, which he sure as hell was. Waited on that moment, baited it, beat him to the pitch, and then knew exactly what to do with it, taking it across the goal line. That play right there, I think, is a Clemson touchdown if ETN's able to let it fly, and it's a Notre Dame touchdown if he's not, and Owusu Koromoa made sure that he wasn't letting that thing go. But I think we just have to give some love to the passing game of Notre Dame that is so dinged up. It's just so dinged up. Two of their three best wide receivers, at least in the minds of fans coming into the season, Kevin Austin was supposed to be that. Braden Lindsey was supposed to be the speed guy. It could even be fast against number one team in the country in Clemson. And they're without both of them. And so Javon McKinley, who was really used as a run blocker to start the year, becomes their most active pass catcher in the biggest game of the year, throwing it up to him deep, letting him go get it on back shoulder situations, throwing up to him in the post, which I thought was Ian Book's probably best throw of the game, the deep one to Javon McKinley where he just led him across the field where there was no Clemson defenders and a great play by McKinley to go dive for it as well. Baby Gronk getting going in the passing game, that short little cross they got to him. He even dropped a couple that I'm sure he'd like to have back. And honestly, he was running open on a couple that I thought he could have had 60- and 70-yard touchdowns on uh, that, were, that were just missed too. But that little undercross to Michael Mayer, you can't throw it enough. You just cannot throw it enough. And I think Tommy Reese has realized that as the year has gone on, that it's a five to seven yard gain guaranteed. It's one of Ian's favorite throws, but it always has the potential to break for 30, to break for 50. And in this game, it broke for 30 down the sideline just because people can't tackle him. Michael Mayer's too athletic, he's too fast, and then he's too physical at the same time. Uh, And that's why he's built in that same mold of the Tyler Eiferts, the Kyle Rudolphs, the Travis Kelseys, if you want to go back to UC, uh, who Brian Kelly brought over there as well. That's the body. That's the same physical type. That's the athlete they have, and they realize it. Tommy Tremble finally got going in the passing game when he really had been predominantly a run blocker, but he still was one of the great dominators on this Notre Dame front and the run blocking game. And on multiple occasions, the reason why Notre Dame turned threes into sevens and threes into sevens is why they scored points with Clemson and came out on top, pushed it to overtime, and then also why they won it. And he, he was the key block on the Kyron Williams game winner and the key block on so many other key plays throughout the game and so many key plays throughout the season. You just cannot overlook what he's doing in that running game and I guess is the NFL scouts aren't going to be overlooking that as well. And who would have thought in the most clutch moments, gotta have it moments of the season, that it would be Avery Davis. Avery Davis stepping up to make the plays, but Ian trusted him. And he trusted him because he was open. On, on the first post with the minute and change left, he was open. I mean, he was the guy that had to get the football. And on the second one, Ian made him open. Uh, on the game-tying game touchdown, 
Ian, he really wasn't there to start the play. And Ian scrambled out to the right, really kind of gave him a little Russell Wilson treatment where it's like, hey, man, come stop me. I'm going to run it into the end zone. As soon as he even took a step off of Avery, there was no hesitation. Book's getting him the ball, touchdown. Let's send this thing to overtime. So it's just it's just never saying die. It's never saying quit. It's going into a game shorthanded and still pulling it out. And don't get me wrong, Clemson was very shorthanded too, but they'll get their chance in round two to have their guys back and we'll all get to see what that one looks like as well. I think the obvious game ball had to go to Ian Book, just given the performance under that kind of pressure. Legacy game for him. But this Notre Dame offensive line, hard for me to not give them my game ball. They were tremendous. Here is the leader of the group, Liam Eikenberg. What was the best part about playing in that game on Saturday night? Yeah, you know, honestly, probably the best part was, you know, I've been here for my fifth season. You know, we've had these big games, and, you know, we just haven't been able to finish them. So I think the best part was honestly just finishing and completing what we started, you know, and especially for me and, you know, a lot of guys who were on that team two years ago when we played Clemson, you know, the team has been perfect. So, you know, we're really excited and uh, we're just happy that we finished it. Was there a feeling of redemption when it all ended? Uh, I would say so. But at the same time, you know, on the offensive line, you know, you never have a perfect game. So, obviously, you want to – you need to improve. You need to correct some things. But, uh, you know, we were excited with the outcome. But at the same time, you know, um, we're probably going to see Clemson in the ACC championship. So, we need to get back to work, keep improving, and uh, work on something new every day, you know. Yeah. To you, what were the deciding plays of the game Saturday night? Yeah, you know, honestly – I would say the Connor Williams run, I mean, it, it kind of, it brought that energy that we needed, you know? And I mean, another thing is, you know, us being able to run the ball, you know, Clemson's defense, they have a great defense. I'm not sure if they're number one or number two in the country, but I mean, they have, they have a top-notch defense. So, you know, running the ball is one of the biggest emphasis um, this season. So, how, how did the young stars up front for Clemson compare to other defensive lines that you've played against this year? Yeah, I mean, they were, I mean, at Clemson, you have a lot of good defensive linemen, yeah. um, you know, very athletic, very big, um, strong guys. So, I mean, you know, they have a freshman at nose guard, number 11. I mean, he was a heck of a player. So, I mean, it's just like at any other big-time school, there's equal guys across from you, you know, and you just got to play every down separate, you know. They're very good players, though. When it's 30 years down the road and you're telling the story of that game to your kids, how do you think you'll tell it? <laughs> uh you know, hopefully I'll just be able to turn it on for them. But uh, it's uh, my, my parents were talking about how this is going to be one of the biggest games in Notre Dame history, you know, just one of those games that they show on the big screen every game day, you know. What was the first thought going through your head when you looked up right as the game ended and saw a storm was coming? Um, honestly, you know, because concerned with this team and how the season's been going, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope guys have a masks on, to be honest with you. I was just kind of, I was concerned from that aspect, but at the same time, I was like, wow, we've been waiting for this moment. And uh, it was definitely one of the coolest feelings and, you know, one of the things being able to experience. So I was very excited. How did Coach Kelly prepare the team? What did he say to you guys beforehand about the potential of everybody running down to the field? Um. You know, who's just like, you got to separate, you got to be safe, you know, wear your mask, put your mask on. And, you know, a lot of guys ended up just walking in the locker room as soon as they could. And that was probably one of the smartest decisions guys could make, you know, especially guys who haven't been sick. So, uh, 
you know, it's just kind of one of those random things because, I mean, they, they stormed the field quicker than I expected, <laughs> to be yeah. honest with you. They did. Like, where, where were you standing when the game ended? I, uh, I was on our sideline, and I was going to grab my mask, and I just saw people hopping and just sprinting, and I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, was, I was very confused, but I was like, wow, this is pretty sweet. So I put my mask on and then got going into the locker room. Okay, so you never really got caught up in the in the wash. No, I, I, I did not. I was thinking about going uh, to say hi to my parents, but, I mean, they're on the opposite side of that storm in the middle of the field. So I was like, I, I can't be in there. So just went to head to the locker room. Yeah. So, so now that you've had a few days to digest, watch the film, one to ten, how would you grade the offensive line on Saturday? Um, you know, I, I would say, I would say probably like a, probably like a seven, seven and a half, eight. Um, you know, we did a lot of good things, but at the same time, there's a lot of times where the quarterback had pressure, you know, it's never good when you see books scrambling, to be honest with you. Um, I thought we were physical in the run game, but at the same time, there's a lot of mistakes too. So, I mean, um, you know, we just need to go back to our basics, attack practice every single day and keep working on uh, the details. In your mind's eye, how should fans remember the game that Ian Book played? I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of hate out there about Ian Book, and there's a lot of doubters. But, I mean, you know, all those people who, who doubt him, you know, they're not with him every single day grinding. You know, they're not they're not with him in the offseason when he's winning every condition sprint. You know, they're not out there they're on the weight room. You know, they're not at practice while he's leading. So, I mean – I thought he really stepped up as a leader in a big-time game when we needed him to. What kind of a leader is he day-to-day? Like, paint me the picture of Ian Book then within the program. Yeah, I mean, Ian, you know, he's a guy who sets the example every single day. Hmm. You know, he's going to come in, he's going to put his head down, do his work, and at the same time, he's going to help the younger guys and teammates around him. You know, he's going to pull guys along. You know, if you're not having a good day, he's going to come up, talk to you, he's going to bring you along. Um, you know, he, he's, he's the guy you want leading your team. You know, he's – He's somebody you want on your team. And, Liam, you have all these great young running backs, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. Uh, what's it like blocking for those guys? How much are you coaching them along the way about what to look for, pass protection, where to find the hole? How, how do you go about communicating with them and bringing them up to speed? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's, it's definitely nice having some running backs like we do now. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, Kyron, Chris Tyree, Sebo, Jafar, you know I mean? They – they love football and, you know, that always helps when guys love football. So, I mean, you know, coach, coach Taylor does a great job with them, getting them to understand protection, run game. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is the backs understand where our combo blocks are going. So they understand what the hole is, you know, it's not like a certain direction. They understand if the left, left tackle is working with the left guard or the center is working with the guard where the uh, crease is going to be. So it's definitely nice having guys who are committed, you know, how much different is the run game in general this year from years past? Yeah, you know, one of the biggest things that didn't happen um, years past, and I mean, it's just kind of one of those things that happened, I guess, is, um, you know, if the run game isn't working, you kind of quit on it. Right. You know, one of the things that we emphasize this year is you got to stick with it, you know, because, I mean, you have to have defensive defenses respect the run game so you can throw the ball. So, I mean, even if, even if you're not running it, well, a couple of plays, you got to keep running it because, I mean, one's about to hit and then, uh, you know, opens up the lanes for the passing game. Yeah, I, I was talking to Robert Hainsey about that. And he was saying that Tommy Reese will just walk over to the offensive line and say, we're running the ball right here. No matter what, yeah. we're running the ball right here. Like, how do you hear that when he when he comes over and says something? It, like uh, it, it's definitely nice, you know. It's definitely 
one of those things we pride ourselves on, you know, and I mean, years past people said we haven't been able to run the ball well. And I mean, I, I agree. We haven't lived up to the expectations, you know, and so this year, you know, in the off season and through our camp, we've really emphasized on running the ball. And I mean, I think it showed up this season, but at the same time, there's a lot of, a lot of room to improve. What would you say that Tommy stepping in, Tommy Reese's offensive coordinator changed most about the DNA of what it means to be a Notre Dame offense? Yeah. Um, I would say it's just a lot more of a physical offense. You know, we, we run a lot of double tight ends. You know, you see sometimes we have three tight ends in the game. And I think that's one of those things where um, if a team can stack the box and you still run the ball, it's kind of – I mean, it's just – it's a mindset, you know. And, I mean, it's, it's pretty – it's fun to see, you know, and fun to be out there. Is there anything better than that, like for you as an offensive lineman? No, I mean, there, there's nothing better than, you know, it's short yardage in the goal line and we just just shove it in to win the game. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, pass protection is great because, you know, it's it's a selfless thing. And, I mean, so is run blocking. But, you know, run blocking is a lot more physical and you can um, exert your will, I guess you could say. So it's kind of, uh, it, you know, it's just great. You know, it's it's special. That Kyron Williams touchdown run that, that sparked the day for you guys offensively, you really had the pivotal block, getting up to the next level, moving that guy, creating that lane. What's it like when you're standing there and you have your block and you see him just whizzing by and you know there's nothing between him and the goal line and you get to watch? Yeah, you know, when I when I went, you know, I took my path and before I spiked inside and Banks and Jared Patterson, um, they did a good job staking it backside. Um but, you know, I honestly – I had no idea where he was because I was running my linebacker out because he would float over top and I just kind of ran him out. And I turned around and he's just gone. And I was like, holy heck. I was like, I was like, this is fantastic. You know, I mean, Coach Reese talked about it the whole week. You know, we just got to get our guys in space, you know, get them to the second level and they can make guys miss. And, you know, Kyron Williams did a good job doing that. Is that common when somebody breaks one, you don't even know that he broke it? I mean – yeah, majority of the time, yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of just tangled up with my guy and I'm trying to make sure he doesn't escape. And then I look up and I'm like, oh, the ball's 20 yards away. <laughs> from from just your technique, how do you think about not letting somebody get across your face? What's the strategy there? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing, especially with a four-eye, um, you know, a guy who's slightly inside, the biggest thing is you got to get your head across. And then another thing is you have to have your backside hand in and your other hand in. So, I mean um, – it's a tough block, you know, because guys spike, they move a lot. And so you got to kind of – and, I mean, honestly, the most important thing is not false stepping or stepping underneath yourself. you got to step in the direction and gain ground. And, I mean, that's it's pretty much your footwork and your target, which help you make your blocks. So, When you think about your Notre Dame career and some of the favorite games that you've ever played with, played in, where will Saturday night rank? I mean, it's definitely number one, hands down. I mean, and then, you know, the, the Florida State game – Two, three years ago, we wore their green jerseys. That's pretty special, too. It's just kind of one of those things you don't see often. How come they never break out the green jerseys anymore? You got any insider information there? Yeah, I mean, they don't have them anymore. We, uh, we kind of – we Are have, they gone? Uh, yeah, the players have them. They gave them to us, which is very nice. When did they When did they cut those out of the repertoire? Uh, I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I mean, it was – you know, we got them that season, you know, 12-0 season, so it's pretty special. Yeah. Isn't, wasn't there something about the, the green jerseys like being cursed or something like that? Yeah, there was. You know, and I was, I was honestly surprised to see that they were on my pads when I showed up, you know, because people were talking about it. And then we got there and we're all excited about it. 
Yeah. How about just playing with these offensive linemen, with this group? This is such a unique experience. Just seems like five guys that really get it on the field, off the field. Describe playing with this crew. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a special group. You know, everybody in that offense, on the offensive line, you know, starting five and everybody in our room, you know, we all have the same goals. You know, it's win a national championship, graduate, and then, you know, especially this year, you know, we want to win the Joe Moore Award. And, uh, you know, it's nice having guys who come to work every single day and want to get better and want to improve and want to work on their technique and fundamentals. And, uh, you know, it's just – it's a special group. I'm happy to be a part of it. How, how about just from a joy perspective? I know that this year is so much different. How much fun has it been playing this year compared to other years of your career? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a unique situation, you know, especially dealing with COVID and everything that's happened this past year. You know, we were training over the summertime, and uh, we had no idea if we were going to play or not. So, you know, every single day is, you know, it's a blessing, and, you know, we're just excited to be out here every single day because you honestly don't know when you can get shut down because of what's happened with the coronavirus and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's very exciting, you know, especially for me as a fifth year. You know, I came back for this, and I'm happy that I'm able to play and uh, compete with these guys, you know. Yeah, it looked like you guys were just having so much fun in the locker room after the game, too, and so deservedly so. Any any great stories from the celebration in there? Uh, nothing crazy, but uh, Josh Lug, probably the best dancer on the team, you know. <laughs> Was he breaking it down? Yeah, he was breaking it down. A lot of good dance moves. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking a minute, man, and uh, congratulations to you. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it, Liam. Take care, man. You too. Well, if you don't know who Josh Lug is, that's the 6'7", 310-pound senior offensive lineman that Liam was referring to right there. And Notre Dame takes round one. I don't think there's a single question in my mind there will be a round two for the ACC championship, assuming both teams keep it on the rails which is a high probability that they will. I think there's even potential for a round three. If Clemson is to win a close one in the ACC championship, I think you see a round three. If Notre Dame owns the ACC championship, Clemson obviously eliminated, and I think that's a distinct possibility too. What a game. Couldn't have wished for anything better. We're ready for Syracuse. That's the last game we have, the last home game of the season, but the one that's been circled for years and years. Certainly did not disappoint. BC this weekend, upset game. Everybody loves to say it. You get the old backup quarterback coming in. We'll see how it goes. Best of luck to BC. Best of luck to Notre Dame. We'll talk to you after this weekend. Enjoy the game, everybody. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.